right. Welcome in. Welcome back, folks, to a blowout plus snow equals a Notre Dame snowout edition of the Always Irish Show. As always, thank you for being here. You can find the program on the very popular website known as YouTube. Do it. Subscribe if you haven't yet. Appreciate it very much. Give the video a thumbs up. That helps me as well. Notifications on that way. You'll be alerted every time a new episode drops. You don't want to miss it, do ya? Do ya? Don't think so. Exciting stuff happening. You don't want to miss it. Twitter, search bar, always Irish, rat. Always Irish, Inc. Emails, always Irish, ND at gmail.com. Audio only anywhere you want this program. You can find this program. Call in line 312-988-15. I imagine the phone lines will be popping tomorrow. People are going to want to talk about this game. And I got a feeling it's quickly going to turn to LA. And that's fine as well. And we will get into that as this show moves along. Fighting Irish Wire, make sure you check it out. I put an article up right after the game. Go over there, check it out. Just type in Fighting Irish Wire in the Google machine. It'll pop right up. Pop right up. I know it surprises some of you that I can read and write, but <laughs> but I can. Go check it out. So here we are, folks. Oh, all that worrying. All that worrying I did last week. Some of you did too. Some of you weren't worried about this game at all. What, Whatever. But for me, I admit I had some Boston College anxiety right? Combined with our instability at home and just kind of, all right, the big point spread that we haven't done well with. I had some anxiety about it. I'm wound a little tight when it comes to Notre Dame. If you haven't learned yet over seven years, I'm wound a little tight. I Give me a break. The Irish destroy, destroyed backup college 44 to nothing controlled almost every aspect of this game except for the amount of snow that was going to come down and when. Uh, great senior day. I, I mean, what a great senior day. God bless these 25 guys leaving. I'm pretty sure that's the number I saw. 25 guys leaving. Their sacrifice, their family sacrifice, everything that goes into that. I'm happy for them. Hell, I'm even happy for my grounds guy, Chip, that made NBC... Uh, snow blowing out there. I, I'm, I, you had the snow, and then once it's a blowout, who cares if it snows? It helps you because it's hard to catch up if you're behind. Like, it all just worked. It all just worked. I'm happy for all the fans that showed up and, and battled the elements. I'm happy for us watching the game at home that I did my blood pressure didn't reach stroke level for once. I'm happy for everybody. It's rare that I get to say that. I'm happy for everybody. Here's my number one takeaway. And I, listen, uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe some of you did this too. It didn't take long to realize what direction this game was going. Uh, I, I underestimated how bad Boston College really is at football. Um, but once that started happening and it was obvious, I'm not going to lie to you guys. My mind, I was watching us play BC. My mind was in LA. Once it was obvious that this was not a contest, which did not take long. I don't have that personality where I could just sit there and enjoy us punching on a, a bag of seed all night. I started thinking about LA once I knew that this ain't, this isn't it, John, for you to worry about. 
I started thinking about LA. That this is a big. I'm not turning this show into a USC preview show. We have the whole week for that. I'm just telling you, that's how big that is. That's how important it is to everybody and me. Very quickly, I started thinking about LA, not BC. Um, and so we'll we'll get to that throughout the week. All right, and and we'll also get into you know USC's game with UCLA. Their offense is dangerous. There's just no defense. Like, it, it's going to be something interesting in L.A. Contrasting styles, how how each team wants to to dictate this game and, and make the gameplay look. Our version's the opposite of theirs. Whose will is going to, to make and force the game to look the way they want? Uh, it's going to be a big deal, folks. So, all eyes now point to L.A. Notre Dame has got to lock in and ride this momentum, all right? I, I, hey, cover that spread. I was giving people a hard time. How can you bet on Notre Dame to cover a 20, 20 and a half point spread? No problem. That's why I don't bet. That's why I don't bet. And when I do, it's golf. It's not football. It's something where I feel like there's less moving parts. One guy, I know their history at the tournament. I know their history at the course. I line it up with their current play recently. It's a lot easier to figure out, in my opinion. So I don't know. Um, here's something that surprised me, uh, and I've seen this talked about. Was anybody else surprised so many starters were still in when we were blowing the team out? Even Drew Pine was in on the last offensive series of the game, and it's like, wanted Angeli to get some time, and then people were saying, if he plays, you're going to burn a year of eligibility. They don't want to do that. Also, how much experience is he going to get doing handoffs in a blizzard? Whatever. I just thought it was interesting that a lot of those guys were in till the end. If that's a reflection of the new staff having more of a killer instinct than the last one, I guess I could get down with that a little bit. It's just your backup quarterback needs should play at some time. So I don't know whether this was right or wrong or, or whatever, what the strategic reason is, but it did catch my attention. I'm wondering what you guys think of that dynamic too. So now all eyes and all roads and all planes head to L.A. Notre Dame has got to lock in and ride this momentum to L.A. What, what a good game to be feeling yourself pretty good, feeling great about the defense, put up a lot of points, played bully ball all day. That's all the sort of stuff I want you to be riding with you on that plane to L.A., taking that momentum with you. Here's what this all comes down to, folks. Under no circumstances whatsoever can Notre Dame allow this rivalry that we've owned for a bunch of years in a row. Now, when USC was down to flip the first year, we both have new coaches. Let the rivalry flip. Absolutely not. It's unacceptable. It can't happen. Think about the position of weakness that makes Notre Dame look like. We beat the hell out of them when they have these bad coaches and they're down and everything. Even Kelly was able to start beating them. And then year one that we each have new coaches, you're going to roll over in L.A. and let them throw it on you seven-on-seven seven style? I don't think so. I don't think so. Absolutely not. That would be emasculating. You cannot let this rivalry flip the first year you each have a new coach. And we go out there and just roll over and let them have the power play 
of the new dynamic of this with the new coaches. Hell no. Absolutely unacceptable. It can't happen next week. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm serious. That cannot be allowed to happen. Here's the next thing. Getting back to this Boston College game. They are really bad at football. Oh, my good Lord. They are horrible at football. I'm sorry. They're bad. I'm sorry, Phil. Your little monologue you typed up before the game, taking little shots at Notre Dame. 44 nothing on senior day is a good day. It's a good day, and it's against this team that I hate in every single way. So this is a perfect way to ensure that not one Boston College person is going to run their mouth about anything in the near future. Good. Good. Here's something to really think about as a Notre Dame fan right now. This is going to blow your freaking mind. This, this stat is going to surprise you. I, I'd be shocked if it didn't. Think about in your mind the weakest part of the Notre Dame team this year. The offense, right? The struggles with Buckner injury, Pine, the receiver depth, the O-line early, uh, whatever Tommy's doing on any given week, whatever, right? That's by far like the weakest part of the team to me. The, the part that's furthest away from elite to me is that part of our team. Despite all of that, Notre Dame has scored 35 or more points in five straight football games. The only other time Notre Dame's ever done that was 1943. Probably when people were still trying to figure out how to defend a pass, right? Like I, I, 1943. So that tells me a couple things. Number one is it tells me Brian Kelly sucks. Okay. It just does. All these years he was here. The guy couldn't figure out how to do this. Year one, we're in here with a half offense a quarterback who was in the lollipop guild in the Wizard of Oz, throwing the ball into people's backs on the line. Wide receiver depth that doesn't exist, all of that. And we were able to get this record five straight with 35 or more. Hasn't been done since 43. So that's number one. Brian Kelly, the offense has sucked. And this is just more evidence towards that. And then here's the other thing. This is very encouraging. Notre Dame set this record, and this offense is the worst one Marcus Freeman's ever going to have. Or maybe I shouldn't say the worst one production-wise, the least amount of talent by far. Quarterback and wide receiver position. I I'm fine with your tight ends, your running backs in the offensive line right now, but those other parts are what wins you championships in the modern era. You need them. So it's encouraging to me that Notre Dame set this record, and the offense is nowhere near what the potential upside of this output's going to look like in a couple of years when the roster flips over into Marcus's image. And Marcus's image is very different than Kelly's for Notre Dame. Marcus's image is to actually get a lot of really good players and then have them play good football for you. I don't know what Kelly was trying to do, but that seems to be Marcus's goal in these key areas. Appreciate the effort. It's nice to have somebody who understands what's important around here and is actually going to work to figure it out. Unlike Swamp Thing. Great job for uh, record breakers in the Boston College game. Morrison, three interceptions. Last time was Harrison Smith. That's doing some work. 
Morrison is a future leader of this team. He is a future captain of this team. He is a young player with the instincts it takes to be a great secondary player. He has a feel of where the ball is going to be and how to position his body to be there to do something with it. For a young guy, listen, for anybody on Notre Dame's team doing this in the secondary, we would say Notre Dame's not known for having excellent corner play all the time. You know, Julian Love here and there, but not all the time. And so you would say this is a great output. The fact that he's a true freshman doing it is the best part. He's just going to keep getting better and better and better and be a leader by example. It is absolutely beautiful. Two interceptions against Clemson, three on senior day. It, it's outrageous. Foskey breaks Justin Tuck's sack record. That was awesome too. Mayer becomes only the 13th ball catcher in Notre Dame history with 2,000 receiving yards. And he did it as a tight end. Only 13 guys have done it at Notre Dame. He did it as tight end, not even as a wide receiver. Great accomplishments by all those guys. I'm glad they were able to do it in front of the home crowd, all that. But I'd be lying if I said the Morrison one didn't excite me the most because he still got time left in Notre Dame. It's not, oh, you did great, now you're gone. It's, oh, you're doing great and you should keep getting better. That's the one that should excite us all more than anything else. So, like, if you want to nitpick the BC game, you can. We had a muff in a blizzard. You know, passes called early when I think runs would have done just fine as they already were. Pine with the batted, you know, the batted pass. He has 11 of those, by the way. In case you're wondering if you're overdoing that, like, no. He has 11 batted passes, three turned to interceptions. And as the second most batted passes in the entire world of college football, the worst guy has 12, we have 11 and three of them turn into interceptions. That's just, that's not big time quarterbacking folks. It's just not, that is like the most basic thing. And it's a struggle. I, I, it is what it is. He tries his butt off. He is just so limited at it's just, you can't overcome the limitations when one of them is you're just short and not fast, and not big, and not strong enough. Like, you can't overturn that unless you can turn into Superman overnight. It's He's limited. I, I love his effort and his heart and his determination and grit. He's just too limited to take Notre Dame where they need to be long-term. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just stating a fact. It's an objective fact. So... I, you can nitpick a little stuff if you want, man, but 44, nothing. Give me a break. Groupie three for three field goals, five for five extra points. I like that in harsh weather, given that I feel like he's been a little inconsistent lately with field goals. I really like seeing that that could come into play in LA next week. You can't leave any points out there. Looking at the stats. What a freaking joke. Boston College is so bad, and I love it. Just shut all of these people up and their accent and just their inferiority complexes. Just go away and shut up. You're not good at football, so just go away. O-line you? Yes, sir. 281 yards, 7.5 per carry, four touchdowns, long of uh, digs, 51 to start the game. Beautiful. Beautiful. What a great way to start the game. We said... It's going to be cold. How do you get the fans engaged? Have a hot start. How about play one right up the giggy? Love it. Love it. Right up. Right up on ya. See ya. Love it. Okay. All the backs doing their thing. 
all three of these guys are meshing with the offensive line. Great. That those two groups are in rhythm and in sync, and it's beautiful. Diggs 122. Estimate 71. Tyree 50. Four touchdowns between them. Those groups are playing well together, and it's beautiful. Passing, I mean, it's just a hard day in the weather. I understand that. Mayer got his. Colsey continues to step up and flash a little bit. And, and it's good to see. I mean, the, the weather really dictated this was a run-heavy game, and it should be. And the matchups dictated that as well. Our offensive front versus theirs. I like that. Pine, 13-25, 156. He's just limited, folks. I'm not saying what I'm going to say next to be rude to Drew Pine. I'm saying it as somebody who knows what it takes to get Notre Dame to the next level. Bide your time with Pine. Like, bide your time. And by that, I'm kind of saying, find a way to win the next two games with them, and we move on to higher upside after that in the Freeman era. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm... And some people will say, but John, look at how many games he's winning as a starter. I, I get that. You could go that route if you want in defense of Pine being the starter moving forward. I am not going there. I know right now he, you're not winning anything that matters to anybody in this fan base with Drew Pine as the Notre Dame quarterback. It's not going to happen. That dictates my entire mindset. I'm sorry. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. Okay. So, uh, that's kind of how I see things there. On defense, ultra impressive. Ultra impressive on defense. Zero is the best you could do. Zero is the best you could do. You can't do any better than allowing zero. It's like bowling a 300 in bowling. You cannot do any better physically. Zero is zero. You win. Zero is zero. Uh, and that's pretty perfect. And I like perfection. I'm like Frank Leahy when it comes to Notre Dame. Things that aren't perfect keep me up at night. That's the expectation. So it, uh, it I zero is zero. Shutting a team out, it's just humiliating. Like, like it really is. When you shut a team out, it, it is the ultimate humiliation for them. The ultimate emasculation. You couldn't. It means that you couldn't do anything. You're a total failure. Nothing you did worked. I mean, it really, really hits the other team hard. A shutout with five turnovers, four sacks, seven tackles for loss, allowing 56 yards rushing. I I mean, that's exactly, exactly the kind of output I want our guys thinking about as they go to L.A. Like, what a great way to build confidence. Flying high, just ball hawking, justified swag a little bit. Zero is zero. You love zero. Zero is humiliating. You didn't even know a touchdown is a touchdown. You didn't even get in an area where you could kick a field goal. So zero is the ultimate embarrassment for the other team. It's the ultimate sign of complete domination beginning to end. uh, And you love to see it humiliating a hated opponent like this is a big deal. Humiliating a uh, a budding rival that everybody respects like Clemson is a big deal. There are wins and then there's domination. They're different. You love to see it. Total yardage, 437 Notre Dame, 173 BC. What a joke. This was a fully welcome beatdown. 
Notre Dame is so close to pulling off an amazing turnaround from third lo- their third loss by October 15th to beating Clemson and having a shot at 9-3 and three and potentially 10-3, and three, knocking off playoff contender USC to finish it. That is Notre Dame seriously trending in the right direction. The vibe heading to LA could not be higher, and Notre Dame has something to prove. This... This matchup in L.A. is a big deal, folks. You got to get this. You got to get this. I already went off on my little mini rant. Under no circumstances for recruiting or just bragging rights or anything else, can Notre Dame afford to let all of America see this rival flip just because there's new coaches year one and then all of a sudden USC has the power in the relationship? Absolutely cannot happen. 100% not. No. Cannot happen. So that's kind of how where we're looking. Here's the big takeaway that everything that's happened this year as we're sitting on entering the last game of the year, the regular season. This goes for good and bad things that have happened this year. Think of the lowest of the lows. Think of Stanford. Think of Marshall not being able to do anything against Ohio State in the second. Whatever you want to think about bad. Then think about the good, you know, BYU, North Carolina, this blowout, obviously Clemson, whatever. Consider it all this year. Let it all marinate in your brain, all of it, the good, the bad, the middle, whatever. Understand 100% as a fact, whatever you're seeing this year, it's out of Freeman's worst team he's ever going to have at Notre Dame. Every Notre Dame team Freeman's going to have moving forward is going to have more talent and be well-rounded in a deeper program than what we are right now. That's the biggest takeaway from all this. Marcus Freeman's already shown me more upside than Brian Kelly did in over a decade. I love this feeling. Beat USC, win the bowl game, close out the recruiting class strong, and then let's rock, baby. That's the roadmap. All right, but that's my big takeaway. All of it this year, the good and the bad, I'm understanding this is his worst team. And he is showing me that there's a lot more out there for Notre Dame than there was before under the last guy. I've already seen enough to believe that. So happy for all the guys going out. Got a big win. Everybody had fun in the snow. Now it's just to live and die in LA. As the famous poet Tupac once said, to live and die in LA. It's the place to be and everybody wants to see. Let's get this win, folks.